Hey friends, welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. Listen, if you are a church planner, I need you to lean in. If you are a multi-site church, I need you to lean in. If you are thinking about new solutions, you're looking for new ways to do ministry in this new year, I need you to lean in. Today's sponsor is one that I'm super familiar with, and they'll help all of those churches and more. In fact, I've personally recommended these folks uh, to so many leaders like you, and I've partnered directly with them for over a dozen launches. I'm so quick to refer people to these guys. These are my friends. My friends over at Portable Church Industries. Uh, They work with churches like yours, whether you're a church plant, a multi-site church, a church looking to go portable, a church looking for creative solutions, uh, really to help you work through your audio-visual lighting, your kids' issues, your community issues, the storage issues. They really help churches wanting to meet in rented rented venues. (laughs) They truly want to provide custom solutions for folks like you. Uh, They go out of their way to make sure that it increases guest engagement, increases volunteer uh, retention, and it's a system that's easy for you over an extended period of time. Listen, this year is a kind of year that we're all looking for unique solutions. If you're any of those churches, I need you to reach out to Portable Church today and tell them that Unseminary sent you. Just go to portablechurch.com forward slash unseminary to learn more, to find resources tailored for you in this year. Again, that's portablechurch.com. You should reach out to them if you're if you're a church plant, if you're a multi-site church, if you're a church looking to go portable, if you're church looking for unique solutions, this is the year for you to reach out to Portable Church Industries. They're incredible friends, folks I love. I'd love for you to drop by and check them out. Again, that's portablechurch.com. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. Are you looking for practical ministry help to drive your ministry further, faster? Have a sinking feeling that your ministry training didn't prepare you for the real world? Hey, you're not alone. Join thousands of others in pursuit of stuff that we wish they had taught in seminary. Buckle up and let's get started with this week's Unseminary Podcast. Well, hey, everybody. Welcome to the Unseminary Podcast. So glad that you have decided to tune in today. You know, every week we try to bring you church leaders who we think can help encourage you, equip you, push the ball forward. And today is no exception. Super excited to have Kyle Mercer with us from Two Cities Church. Kyle, welcome to the show. So glad you're here. Yeah, glad to be here. Thanks, Rich. And uh, yeah, just excited to have a conversation today. Yeah, I'm excited that you've uh, taken some time out uh, for us today. Why don't you tell us about the church? Kind of give us a bit of the story, a bit of the flavor. Uh, you know, yeah, just tell us a little bit about the church. Yeah, uh, so we're out of the Summit Church. We're a church plant out of the Summit Church with J.D. Greer and Raleigh Durham. And uh, we just celebrated four years as a church. And what happened, just my real brief story, is I am a grew up nominal Roman Catholic, uh, came to Christ dramatically in high school. And mm-hmm. the reason I even tell you that is, is my first friend, my first Christian friend, not my first friend ever, but my first (laughs) Christian friend uh, was a guy named David Vogel, who today is my executive pastor. So one of the neat things about our church is is, um, it's built in many ways on a friendship. So Dave and I, Mm. uh, we took two paths. The Lord took us two different directions. Uh, About Each of us spent about a decade in ministry. Uh, I did more of the college ministry path. He did more of, uh, he was at a church in Knoxville for years. And then we planted um, two cities church together out of the summit. 
out of the Summit Church, which now we have something called the, it used to be called the Summit Network. Now it's called the Summit Collaborative. Anyway, w- what's important is 30 of us moved from Raleigh, Durham to Winston-Salem in 2016. And that was just Amazing. awesome. 30 people said, we're going to sell houses and <laughs> uh, graduate from college and try to get a job with Uber, or be a barista at Starbucks. And, and so we had 30 people move here as our launch team, uh, ended up building a, a larger launch team that summer of about 100 people in our city who said, we're going to be all in with our time, talent, treasure. And then just honestly, Rich, I say this with humility and in many ways as a spectator, kind of watching what God was doing. But um, over the last four years, we've grown numerically, uh, spiritually, and organizationally. Uh, we've mm-hmm. gone from a, a launch team yeah, of about 100 God. to, uh, you know, we were, we were having about 13 or 1,400 people. Uh, but right before COVID hit, we could talk some mm-hmm. about that today. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, we were running uh, four services uh, on Sundays. Uh, mm-hmm. We started with two evening services downtown in downtown Winston-Salem. It grew to uh, four services, and we've been able to. We kind of upfitted two warehouses right outside of downtown, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, it's just just been an incredible, incredible season to see God do a lot of a lot of amazing things. That's so cool. It's it's really been neat to see what's happened out of the summit, which is the real church planning movement that's come out of um, you know out of that church, and obviously JD Greer is just real strong, um, you know, encouragement towards church planting. It's so it's so cool to see for sure. Yeah. So. Now I'd love to hear. Oh, you mentioned it, kind of the kind of the COVID pivot. It seems like the thing we just can't stop talking about. But I'd love to hear a little bit about kind of what your early experience was like. What what actually happened when COVID hit, and then um, yeah, what what did what did what did that look like? What were some of that early those early days when you look back six eight months ago? Yeah, yeah, I know exactly. You know, it's like it's, like, it's almost like a, a little nine eleven in the sense that I remember where I was when everything changed. Yes. You know, it's like <laughs> true, I, true. I, I, I was. Uh, I was actually heading home. It was I think it was a Thursday, and my executive pastor called and said, "You know, our governor uh, had basically—I um, don't even remember what the exact restriction was—but basically closed down large gatherings. And so we called an emergency meeting at the end of our week, pulled all of our staff in. We've got about ten full-time staff, uh, some part-time staff. Pulled our staff in, and guy, and we—and at the moment, we thought—I remember—we thought we, we looked at some larger churches, some mentor churches, some national churches, and a couple guys that we saw were taking two weeks off." It, 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 a lot of the unknown. So that's what we said. We kind of got shot a video and said, guys, we're going to take two weeks off. We thought that was a big deal. Thought, wow, that, I, you know, but we'll come back. And it was right around spring break for us. As, uh, it was going to be the Sunday of March 15th. And uh, what we thought was going to be two weeks turned into two months and then turned into many months. And in our experience, I think was very similar to a lot of uh, churches where we immediately had to go to an online only environment. Uh, that was online only. And, and thankfully, you know, we were a younger church. We were, uh, you know, fairly good with technology. We had video cameras, you know, all of that kind of stuff. We already knew how to do live streaming, all of that. But we had to go to an online only for our groups, uh, as well as for our, our Sunday services. And what we saw, Rich, and, and I don't know who all you've talked to and what's been said, but uh, th- this seems to resonate with a lot of people. The first uh, few weeks, there was a novelty to online. It was like, oh, wow, this is cool. People are, we're reaching more people. Your aunt's watching, your grandma's watching, you know, yeah. kind of like your, your, your unsaved lost neighbor's watching. And this is, you know, and there, and there was all this kind of conversation, uh, national conversation. I'm jumping on these Zoom calls with these national leaders and they're going, this is going to forever redefine how we do church. And, you know, think of the church as, you know, there's now going to be an online church and there's going to be an in-person church and just get used to it. And what we, and this is kind of part of our narrative, what we had to see was, man, after, after Easter and closer to Mother's Day, we just had to realize, and this kind of leads into what we ended up doing, but we, we kind of created the language of, um, you know, we think online is a great supplement, uh, but not a substitute. Um, mm. You know, we think it's, and, and we just think there is something unique 
that happens in the in-person gathering when the pe- the people sit under the word and the word is preached, where we sing together, and then honestly, the hundreds or thousands of conversations and interactions and intersections that happen every Sunday that don't happen online in the group chat function. You know, it's just like there's, and so we kind of went into the mentality, and this will kind of lead into how we did things, but we we said, hey, this is actually we're leaning heavily more into the importance of getting people back in person. Mm. And, uh, and, and we feel like that's, that's more necessary. And so we actually only had a season. We're in North Carolina. So, I, yep. you know, and I want to put some airbags around this, <laughs> you know, as I, as I know, I don't know <laughs> our, all of our listeners are, are, are listening from different places. I, I do think it matters the city you're in, the size and scope of your ministry, your staff, you know, all of those kind of things. But for us, probably around mid-May, we, we intentionally and aggressively uh, kind of said, how are we going to get people back in person? And we went mm. 15 weeks of online only until we started back with a Thursday night service, which we had never mm. done before. Um, we had done four services, 9, 15, 11, 4, and 545 was our classic, you know, four services we'd done for about a year and a half. Um, and then we we said, we need to come back on a Thursday night. And we started that June 25th. Uh, mm. And I can I, and I can pause there mm. and answer any kind of questions and, and, and talk about what we did. Yeah, tell me. So, so first of all, appreciate this. I one of the things I try, what I think will be a helpful balance is I do think, I I think the online experience is great, and I I do think that a lot of churches, you know, were changed in the sense of like, hey, maybe we weren't really committed to that. We realized mm, for the foreseeable future that we're going to need to yeah. do that. But I do appreciate this kind of nuance around, yeah, but we need to work hard to get people to come back together. What was kind of going through your mind there, late June? Kind of get us into your headspace. Yeah. What, what was, what was your, you know, kind of some of the decisions that you're making at that moment? Well, yeah, I'll tell you, you know, it's funny. I, um, I actually, we called a, uh, we don't have a lot of member gatherings. We called a member gathering basically to explain all of this stuff. And, you know, mm. I'll, I'll tell you, so here's what we told our people. And, and it yeah. seemed to put, we were able to put our arms, I'll give you six principles we told people um, that, that, um, and when we said it, we just felt a sense of relief in the room and we felt like even more people were with us. So basically the first thing I've already told you is we, we felt like there's a theological conviction for the church to gather in person. Um, mm. Again, we think there's lots of grace for people in different situations. You know, I, I kind of use the example of, you know, the seven churches in Revelation, you know, Jesus Christ has a clear word to each of them. They're in a different culture, different context. He doesn't have the exact same word to each church, you know, mm-hmm. but he has a word to them. Mm-hmm. They need to obey what the spirit says to that church. Um, mm-hmm. But we, we just have deep conviction. People need to gather. And, you know, I kind of joked, I said, you know, we always try to say we want to be a Bible saturated, historically rooted, globally informed church. And I just Mm, said, it's hard to look in the Bible at history or around the world and think it's okay for the church to not gather in person for a long period of time. I mean, and we, and and every time, every room I got into, I said, imagine trying to explain not gathering to the apostle Paul, you know, and and usually everybody laughs. It's like, oh, you know, yeah. And so, so the first thing we just said is, Hey, we're, you know, we understand not, we got to be wise on how we do it. Um, we understand that it's going to be a, a process and pathway for people to get back, but the church has to gather. Second conviction we have is people aren't doing well. Mm-hmm. As soon as I say that, every, everyone nods in the room and gets it. You know, depression yeah, and anxiety is up. Uh, I, I think that uh, co- the COVID crisis is a family crisis. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, I think uh, porn use, alcohol use, skyrocketing. Uh, we, we have a church of a lot of millennials, uh, a lot of singles, and the singles are isolated. We also have a church of a lot of uh, married people who are trying to figure out their career and raise their kids. And so they are overwhelmed. So we had one category of people who are isolated. And we had another category of people who are overwhelmed. 
Um, and so we just said, we've got to, you know, we think COVID's serious. Uh, this leads my, to the third principle. Uh, we believe in scripture and science. And so really kind of said, guys, here's, you know, so I, I already kind of gave you the theological underpinnings there. But then we said, look, here's how we're, and, you know, and I, and I went back and forth whether or not to say this, but we just mm-hmm. tried to humbly say, look, we're not doctors. I'm not speaking into my, um, if I have any kind of area of, <laughs> yeah. of competency, this is not it. But what we said yes. is we kind of went on record and said, I would at least want you to know how the leadership of the church is thinking about COVID. We think of it as a more serious, more contagious version of the flu that we know less about that, you know, is particularly dangerous to lots of categories of people and that occasionally kills a healthy person just like mm-hmm. the flu does. Mm-hmm. And so we, and we gave all, and I won't rehash them. We gave all the numbers yeah. for our cities. And basically it mm-hmm. turned out that in our city, there's a 99.9999, I think, <laughs> uh, percent um, survival rate of COVID in our city. Right. Um, and so we just kind of just said, look, we're, we're, you know, we're not saying it's not real. It is real, but in li- it's not Ebola. It's right. not the Ebola virus. And so we need to, we didn't, we didn't know what it was for a season. And when, when, when president Trump's saying, Hey, we're bringing the mercy ship and the comfort ship into mm-hmm. <laughs> California and New York, we were all like, what is this? There yeah, was a, happening. there was a yeah, national exactly. consciousness. It felt what very movie esque, right? It, had it that did. Kind of, it really did. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Totally. So, uh, you know, first conviction church must gather second people aren't doing well. Third, we believe in scripture and science. Fourth, this isn't going away anytime soon. Right. And so we had to have that conversation with people. Um, you know, is it going to go away, you know, during a national election? Probably not. You know, who, whatever candidate wins, is it going to go away right afterwards? I, I don't know. Um, you know, is it going to go away as it gets colder and we enter flu season? No. Is there going to be long lingering effects of people with anxiety and depression and fear? Yes. And so the most time wasted is the time getting started. And so we, mm. we kind of, and what we saw, you know, principally is that, um, and this is going to lead to what we ended up doing on Sundays too. What we saw was it took about to encourage some pastors who are listening, who are maybe just beginning to bring their people back. It took about six weeks of Thursday night services to where we were like, wow, it's back. Right. Uh, like okay. and so much so that we were actually like, it, we only did, we only did Thursday. We didn't know how long we, we didn't have a perfect plan. We didn't know how long we were going to do Thursday night services th- service. I should say we did one service at six 30. Uh, what happened? No childcare during the week, you know, all that kind of stuff. Uh, you had to register all that. But what we ended up seeing was, um, it was to the point where people were telling us, um, you know, it's, it's time to move to Sundays, which leads to, um, uh, the, the fifth thing is, um, the majority of people are ready to come back. And, and that may not be true in every city and every church, but what we saw from the emails, from the conversations, from the amount of people going back to their community groups, uh, for, and also once we started our, um, I think when we were, don't quote me on this exactly, but I'm pretty sure across now we only have a worship center we that's why we're running so many services we only have a worship center that can seat 350 to 375 uh adults we Mm -hmm. were having because of registrations we could see this we were having over 700 unique visitors across seven or eight different uh thursday nights so Mm -hmm. you know our church was 13 1400 before covid so like we're like wait a second now half our church is telling us that they're willing to come to a Thursday night service at 6:30 with no childcare in the middle of the week when they get off work in the middle of the summer. So we were just like, Hey guys, look, you know, and, and we always try to tell people this, everybody's in their own echo chamber and everybody thinks everybody's acting like they're acting or feeling like they're feeling. And so we just try to put people at ease go, look, you, I don't know where each of you are, but there's a lot of you, maybe not all of you. There's a lot of you who are ready to come back, which led to the sixth principle, which was, and I've already kind of said it, online ministry is not as good as in-person. Uh, and what we decided to do, and again, that I know not every pastor and leader is going to agree with that, 
But uh, what well, we, we just leaned into that because I, I just I can't say things I don't believe, <laughs> and right, and right, I right, and right. I and I really don't believe it's as good. I I mean actually I learned I love um, you know I, I I read about you a little bit and I saw that you you worked with Kerry Newhoff. Um, I, I love mm. his phrase of we sure. don't create downloadable experiences. And we, mm-hmm. we said that, and then we went into online only for a season and thought, do we, can I not say that anymore? And, <laughs> and, and, right, and, right, and, right. and I actually felt like, no, I actually feel like I can't say that. Or sorry, I can say that. We do not create downloadable experiences. And so what we treat people, and I mean this respectfully, um, yeah. at this point, if a person doesn't come back to our services, mm-hmm. um, and I'll tell you how we think through that, but we consider them a shut-in. Mm. And that's a, that's a, you know, I, I'm a historically rooted person. The church has always dealt with shut-ins. And sure. so a shut-in yeah. is not a scary thing to me, but every shut-in, I worked at a, uh, I worked at a church that was 120 years old for a season of my life. And I worked with a lot of shut-ins. And so I understand what shut-ins are. Shut-ins are people who can't come to church and it grieves them. And they would never want you to tell them what they experience is as good as being mm. with God's people under the word on a Sunday. Right. So as right. we've leaned into that, we've seen, you know, people. So, so that's the first thing I've got. I don't know how much time we have left. I've got uh, two other helpful things we did. One was how we talked about masks yep. and two, cause that's a big pressure point for people, depending on where you live. And then yeah. how we talked about categories of people in our church. So we yeah, had so a I'd, long hour I'd love to hear- meeting about all that. Good. Oh, yeah, I'd love to hear both of those because it's you know it's interesting. The thing I love that you're presenting here, and I just want to underline it. I do. So you know, we people all across the country who are listening in and in various phases and stages of reopening. But the thing to underline is, it's going to take a time. It's not like mm-hmm. you're going to open up the first week and everybody's going to come back. Like I, I appreciate you said, hey, it's gonna, it took six weeks until we felt like we were kind of back in normal. Um, and let, let's talk about the mask issue. I know I was talking to a friend recently who said, yeah. I feel like my church is going to split over masks. He's like, I wish it was over something theological. I wish it was that's over right. something of, right. of substance. But that's right. Uh, how have you, um, you know, how have you kind of worked that that issue through with your people? Yeah. Well, we, trying to listen, learn, try to be gracious. But here, here's, you know, again, I'm a principal guy. I'll tell you five principles we told people, and and uh, that was really helpful. Uh, we number one, we said, hey guys, listen. We had all, we had we had a large part of our, our church in one room. We said, hey guys, people feel differently about masks. Can we disagree on that? You know, and I just told my own story of, you know, I've been to China, I've been to India. Um, I, I've been to places where, you know, I saw lots of masks and, and my, honestly, my initial, like when masks started is I connected to totalitarian governments initially, uh, in the sense of like, and, and fear and unhealth and, uh, right. uncleanliness. I mean, that's kind of, if you, you know, if you've ever been to these, some of these cities in China, that's why everyone's wearing a mask. Um, and so I, but at the other time, there's a lot of people who look at masks and go, I feel safe. I feel safe when, when, when somebody else is wearing a mask, I feel safer. I feel loved, but not everybody feels that way for some people. It communicates, Oh, you don't really understand what's going on in the world. Oh, you're part of like a government overreach system. And so we just kind of try to call it out and go, guys, listen, not everybody agrees on masks. So let's agree Mm -hmm. on, let's agree that nobody agrees um, on masks. Sure. Second, that's a a helpful point. Uh, number two, we want to be good citizens until we can't be good Christians, and so that's that's oh, our that's good. our that's our line for you know civil uh, <laughs> desiring to be civil obedience. And honestly, my understanding of the scripture from Genesis to Revelation is there are very 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 few instances of civil disobedience in the Bible. I mean, very hard to find. You've got Moses and the midwives. You know, you've got a couple of accounts mm-hmm. in Daniel. You've got. Um, mm-hmm. Acts chapter four, you know, and that's mm-hmm. really, I mean, I, I'm, I'm probably missing a couple, but that's most of it. And so we kind of said, Hey, listen, 
you know, this is a tension of Romans 13 and Romans 14. They're right next to each other. Mm-hmm. Romans 13 mm-hmm. is about the government. Romans 14 is about the conscience. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we just basically called out, hey, listen, because there were literally people in our church that said something like this to me. Um, Kyle, um, it, you know, the governor has a mandate that says wear a mask. I wear a mask. I don't need to pray about it. I don't need right, to think about right. it. It's that like yeah. for some some godly people is that simple. We had other people who said, listen, I actually think it hinders my worship. Mm-hmm. I actually feel like it goes against my conscience. I it, I can't minister in a mask and I can't minister to people wearing a mask. And so, you know, and, and so what we were trying to do in, in this larger conversation is, again, call these things out. You know, it's kind of Andy Stanley's principle, like give more clarity. You know, even if you don't know where you're going to land and everything, just give as much clarity as possible. So right. we, that's what we tried to do. And again, I saw lots of nodding as I was saying these things in the room. Um, third thing we said, um, we, and this is probably got the most last, but just that we know masks do something. But we don't know exactly. Right? There's just so much debate. How much does it work? To what percentage of it? It's like, we just said, here's the one thing we know masks do. They keep my saliva from getting on you. Now, <laughs> that's it. I mean, now, does that matter? To what extent? Could you touch your mask and touch something else? And we don't know all those answers. We mm-hmm. just know there's at least one thing that, you know, a face covering or face cloth or mask does. Number four, um, we care about freedom and safety. And so I think that's that's the conversation, right? There are some people who go, thank goodness I live in a red state because in a red state, I have freedom. And others go, oh, thank goodness I live in a blue state because everything's still shut down and I feel safe. And so the conversation we kind of said is, look, guys, I mean, we're having to kind of think about theology and philosophy of ministry in ways that, you know, like I love the name of your your podcast, like we, you know, like we never had to in in seminary. We never were taught about these things. And so, um, we basically went with, hey, we value freedom and safety. So let me just tell you that you're going to make the, you, when, when you hear our decisions, you may think we're leaning too much on freedom or too much on safety. But we believe in both. But we believe the higher, more clear biblical value is freedom. And again, you know, trying to explain safety to the Apostle Paul, you know, as he's going to Rome, a, a unintelligible concept to the Apostle Paul. Yet we think that what, what's interesting, Don Carson says that if you look at uh, and he's a for those of our listeners who don't know, he's a you know, theologian. Basically, he said that when the Apostle Paul would stay in a city versus when he leaves a city, the difference of like when it gets dangerous, why does he stay versus why does he leave? He stays if he's by himself. He leaves if he's with others. And so I think there's a principle of safety for the sake of others, not <laughs> more than even safety for my own sake. So we think, sure. hey, people are made in the image of God. We, we're not the anti-safety church, we, we are, but we're also trying to confront the millennial mindset that my whole life needs to be bubble wrapped. And my, all my kids, you know, my kids need the safest environment ever. You know, we say, look, you can't make them safe. You can make them strong. You can't ultimately protect them. You can only prepare them. And the sooner that you realize that, the better, you, the healthier you will be and the healthier they will be. Um, and then uh, number five, masks have an expiration date. <clears throat> and so we didn't give it, but we just wanted to let people know, look, we're not. We just like to call things out way ahead of time. You know, let us be crystal clear. We're not the mask church forever. Um, right. Matt, we, we're saying, you know, for it's us, it's going to be for, for a season. That's right. For us, for now, for us is humility for now is flexibility. So that's what it's going to be. And then, Hey guys, we just put an expiration date in the sunset of, Hey, this is, uh, for now we're going to reevaluate as we, here's one of our favorite sayings. As we get new information, we reserve the right to make new decisions. Right. And so, you know, that's we're going to, we're going to continue to see things. We're going to come back at the end of 2020 and make some decisions for the future and, and just to summarize all of this, Rich, where we landed was we did two masks. We, we went back with three services on Sunday uh, 
in September, the September, the Sunday after Labor Day. So basically to sum it all up and to bring bring everything back together, we had 15 weeks of online only. We had 11 weeks of Thursday night. And then uh, now we're, we're going into four, our fourth week of Sunday. And what we did for Sunday services is we did the morning services, uh, 9 and 11, our mask expected. That's our softest, warmest way to say, please wear a mask, especially right. when you sing, but we're not policing and we're not punishing. But the 5 p.m. service is a mask-required service. And we joked about it really warmly with our church. Hey, we're going to be grouchy about this. We are going to police. <laughs> we good. are going to punish. You know, uh, you know. We, we, we had a my executive pastor, who I told you about earlier, we, we uh, yeah. put a picture up of him in a referee outfit. You know, just kind of as a funny, like, in the church's lap. And just, hey, guys, listen. And here's why. Because there are some people who are anxious. And then we have a whole – we're in a medical city. Rich. And so we have a whole group of people, even though the medical community doesn't agree on this, but we do have a whole group of people in the medical community who say, you know, I do surgery and I can't look at my boss in the morning and tell him I was in an unmasked environment. And so we've seen a great response to to all of uh, those services. Uh, And I can tell you about that. And then the final thing is to talk about how we talked about the categories of people as we think about bringing them back. Yeah, let's talk that through. It's an interesting, you know, I think a part of what, particularly on the staff side, I think a big part of what we have to do is help give our teams kind of categories, understanding not everybody's in the same place. Not everybody feels the same way about this. How are you thinking about your community uh, in this in this season? Yeah, so what we did again is is we kind of said, we wanted to we wanted to give everybody categories for where they are and, and, and mm-hmm. kind of as much you'll hear as I say these categories, honor the people in the categories. Um, and then, and then say, what, what does this mean for you? So let me give you, so, so here's the five categories. We said, guys, there, this, we gave these categories at, basically after we had been doing services uh, for six or eight weeks. We said, here's what we have, guys. We have a whole cat. The first type of people are the people who have come. That's the category, people who have come. Uh, we, and like I told you, we had about 700 people, uh, unique visitors. And basically the number one thing, and this will encourage our listeners, I think, as well. The number one thing that we heard people tell us when they came is when they came back to Thursday night services and then to Sunday services is mm. I forgot. I, right. I completely forgot. Oh, wow. it's, un- it's unbelievable. It actually it actually gave me a whole new theological category for remember, which is you know yes. a big command of scripture. I mean, I'm talking like godly people who were watching online. They came back on a Thursday night service and they'd pull me aside and they'd say, Pastor Kyle, I literally forgot. I forgot what it was actually like to be under the word mm-hmm. preached. I forgot what it was like to sing with people. I forgot what it was like to be. I don't know if you've seen Hamilton. <laughs> you know, it's like yes. uh, in the in the room where it happened. Okay, there's nothing like yes. being in the yeah, room yeah, where yeah, it happened. Yeah, yeah, right, totally. And, yeah. and so, so I mean, literally, people crying. And it, it reminded me almost if you've seen the movie Inception, the very end of Inception, where you know mm. he goes to the guy and he says, "Come back, you've forgotten. Come back and be a young man with me again." I mean, it, so so there's the people who have come. We said, "Hey, there's the people who cannot come." Um, and we we feel like you know there are legitimate people, uh, the immunocompromised, uh, the yeah. clinically anxious, uh, the the vulnerable, uh, the elderly. So we gave all of those categories. And so the first category, you have come. Second category, you cannot come. Third category, you should not come. <laughs> and, and we said like, there's a whole category of people, and it's and this is a week to week category. But you should not come if you have a fever. You know, if you've lost your sense of taste, if you feel sick, if you're around anyone who's been sick, if you're visiting your 98 year old grandmother, you know, on, on Tuesday, yes. don't come. You, you shouldn't come. Um, yes. th- uh, fourth category is the people who will come. And and we just we shared this again. When we were Thursday night. But we said, look, there's all, and it was true. And we've seen the results. But, but there is a whole type of person who said to us, 
hey, when you go back to Sundays, when you go back to kids ministry, and that's a whole other conversation we could have, but we relaunched our kids ministry. When you go back to kids ministry, when you go back to Sunday, when you go back to multiple services, I'm coming back. Uh, and so we had a whole group of people that we said, they've told us, hundreds told us they will come back as soon as we go back to whatever the new normal kind of Sunday services are. And then honestly, you know, Rich, we had a whole fifth category of people who won't come back ever. Mm-hmm. And what, you know, and I, and, and when I said this, we, I, it was at a members gathering that was in person and simultaneously live streamed. And I, and I just said to the room and to the, to the camera, I said, the saddest thing is that person's not even watching or listening. So it's the person who's not even, huh. you know, connected anymore. That's right. right. And, you know, and, and who knows, you know, Tom Rainer says, I've heard, I've read different things, you know, anywhere from 10% to 30% of, depending on the size, size and scope of your church, those people are never coming back. And we just kind of called out and said, there are some people who they have been given the biggest hall pass in the history of the world, a global pandemic as an excuse for them to do nothing. And if, and if they were a constant critic, congratulations, because no church is doing this perfectly. And if church was another activity, it just got harder for them and they're not willing to do it. And so we just try to call out all of that, man. And, uh, and we, we were able just to sum it all up, you know, we were 13 or 1400 people, um, uh, as our average, I think it was 1350 average fall attend or average, uh, spring attendance, uh, before COVID. And we've had anywhere between 900 and a thousand people, actually over a thousand people, uh, one yeah, of the Sundays, great. but about 900 to a thousand people coming back in person. And so we're, we're, we're in, and that's just after three weeks of Sunday services. So we, we are incredibly encouraged. We still have hundreds and hundreds watching online. You know, it's always harder to, to know exactly who's watching, but, yeah. but we've who been just is, so encouraged. That yeah, exactly. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. That's good. So the thing I hope as you're listening in, uh, you know, dear listeners that you're, you know, there's so many helpful, um, ideas, you know, principles of communication, super helpful for sure. I wonder if in just a few minutes you could talk about the kids ministry issue. I know that's that's really an area that so many churches are struggling with. Um, how are you leading in that area? You know, what have you what are you doing? What have you what have you learned from reopening your kids ministry? Yeah, thanks for asking. Um, well, a couple of things. I mean, I won't go through all the convictions on that, but just to, to feel like what you know, we just told our church that we felt like our kids need to be back in church as well in a kid's ministry, uh, we, we, we just, and we have a high commitment culture. So we knew that the biggest thing was going to be a call to our volunteers, our servant leaders to, you know, we have a, 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 you know, a big, you know, work one, worship one or serve one, attend one, whatever you want to call it or culture in our church. And, um, mm-hmm. and so we just said, Hey, for us to fully, if we're really going to come back and what we would call kind of relaunch our church, we have, we can't do that without kids ministry. So a couple of things we decided to do again, it, this is helpful depending on your size of your church. If you can have multiple services, you can, you can get a little more creative. What we have done is in the morning, we have a full-blown kids ministry. We're completely back at our 9 and 11. And we have child care for kindergarten under at night. Just because we wanted people to be able to bring their kids at any time. What we have done, now the way our facility is set up, we have two identical warehouses. One warehouse is our worship space and our lobby. The other warehouse is our kids ministry completely. And so they're actually two separate buildings. So what we have done is we have, with our kids ministry, um, it is a mask required building for adults. So we don't ask our kids. Now, if parents want their kids to wear masks, that's fine. Uh, but we have, we have not um, asked any kids to wear masks. We've asked, we've kind of just said, hey, look, we're willing to ask our servant leaders to do things we would not ask a normal member of our church to do. And so we're going to ask them to wear a mask the whole time they're serving. Uh, we ask, uh, every, we do single parent check-in. So, and, and every parent must be wearing a mask as well. 
Uh, and then we temperature check every person who comes in that building. Now, we don't do that in the worship center. Um, but we do that in the kids' building. Particularly, it was a way to serve our volunteers. We're asking them to be, you know, for an hour, and, an additional hour and 15 minutes around a lot of people. And so that it, it, we wanted to say we can promise you that nobody else is going to have symptoms or a fever going into that building. We, you know, and, and so and, uh, and and so what we've been able to see is so many people. That was the main hindrance of a lot of our young families in coming back to church on Thursday nights was they needed a kids ministry, you know, to, so for their kids to be invested and involved. And so it's it's been a, it's been a big deal in the sense of, you know, we've had to really create a culture of serving again to kind of rebuild and reboot that culture. Um, and we and I got this from Ed Stetzer, but we've used the language of a SWAT team, you know, servants willing and temporary. You know, as we oh, as we good. get into, you know, we've got to relaunch and reboot this for a season. You know, for a season, guys, we're going to ask you to, you know, serve every Sunday again. You know, we, we had we had a, a situation before COVID where people genuinely were serving twice a month, just like we asked them. And we had plenty of people all the time. <laughs> you know, we're, we're getting back to we're getting back to that. And then part of that also, Rich, is um, which is a whole nother conversation that maybe we could have at a different time. But uh, is our uh, our assimilation process our what we call our weekender uh, mm-hmm. kind of how, how people go from the crowd to connected and committed. We, we knew that if we were going to bring kids ministry back, we were going to have to reboot that as well. And so we actually right, have right, already had it. We've had an in-person uh, weekender with 53 people who came in person. And what was encouraging is we just shared the need for our kids ministry. And I, I, I again, don't quote me on these numbers, but I think of the 53 people, 20 of them decided, hey, I'm going to help and serve in the kids ministry in this season, which is a huge deal. We have another weekender coming up at the end of this month. So we're doing them. We're back to doing them about every four to six weeks. We have 73 people signed up for this next weekender. So what we're finding just to, yeah, just to encourage our you and our listeners is we're actually finding that a lot of people are visiting our church in person for the first time on the other side of COVID. I don't know where they all are spiritually. And they're wanting to get more connected to community so much so that we're having our largest weekenders ever in the middle of this new normal. So anyway, it's been very exciting. Yeah, that's so exciting. Well, I have really appreciated this this conversation. So much we could talk about, but I think, you know, again, listeners, I hope that you've been encouraged today. I know, um, I think one of my concerns is, I, I, listen, I don't think any of our churches want to be the, necessarily the first church to try it, uh, to, to reopen if you haven't reopened, but I want to encourage you not to be the last either, to not wait. Um, and, you know, we're going to need to lean in. And I hope today you've walked away with, with just a lot of great insight and, and really a good news story about what God's doing uh, at your church. So I, I really appreciate you sharing today. Um, so I want to make sure we we send people in the right direction, where we want to send them if, if they want to track along with your church, get to know uh, more about you guys. Where, where can I send them, Kyle? Yeah, the best place is just going to be twocitieschurch.net, T-W-O, twocitieschurch.net. And that, that website will have all of our you know services and sermons. And, and even just, of course, you can see the website's kind of the front door of the church. You can see how we're communicating and trying to articulate um, where we are as a church and how we're doing both in-person and online services in the season. That's fantastic. Kyle, thank you so much, sir. Appreciate you being on the show today. Yeah, thanks so much. Thank you for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Don't be shy. We'd love to connect. Check out Unseminary Inbox. You can sign up at unseminary.com and we'll send you helpful training resources every week. Plus, you'll gain immediate access to our exclusive members area with tons of resources you can use. Connect with Rich on Twitter 
at Rich Birch or through email, rich at unseminary.com. Don't forget to check out the show notes for this episode at unseminary.com. It includes links to what we talked about today and more. Leave a comment. We'd love to hear from you. Did you enjoy today's episode? Drop by iTunes and leave a review. Thanks again for tuning in to this week's Unseminary podcast. Join us next week when we'll learn more stuff we wish they taught in seminary.